Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Brian here from Only Real Fans and Karen Twins Productions. If anyone's interested in suggesting movies for us to watch for a month, feel free to reach out to us on our website at karentwins.com. Follow the contact us page, fill out an email, and we'll take it in consideration. Uh, also, spoiler warning ahead for all these movies. Enjoy. Welcome back to Only Real Fans. Uh, we're joined today by Simon Kincaid and Emily Zisco, and myself and Dylan Batlage spent the month with them watching some movies in the queer category, Pariah, But I'm a Cheerleader, and All About My Mother. Three great movies, and we're ready to talk about it. So where do I start? Use your guys' month, so... Maybe why you picked this theme. We'll go with that. Okay, yeah. Um, so I'm really excited to talk about these movies for this month. Um, Simon and I were so excited to pick them. I think that queer film is such an interesting category of and, and often underappreciated category. Um, I think that the stories told are, I mean, from the movies we watched, personally, I loved all of them. Um, and I would actually put all of them in probably the top 20 movies I've seen this year. Um, and I, I think that that kind of speaks for itself in terms of like it, just the kind of stories that we are consuming as audience um, in that, you know, we're these amazing stories that are so interesting to watch and so well produced are um only rarely sometimes told. Um, and it just makes me excited to see like what the future holds for filmmaking when I watch movies like this. Yeah, I mean, I think w there wasn't a specific reason we chose like uh, to do a to do like a queer film month for the podcast. It was just something where we kind of looked at these lists of movies we had and realized we had a lot of movies that sort of had that theme or the people behind the camera were sort of coming from that group and telling those sort of stories and we were like well this seems like a good idea to package them together like this for for an episode and i think i'm i'm happy with the the variety of sort of like tone and approach and content that these three movies all had to offer you know what i mean i i, I felt like there's obviously clearly sort of connecting dots and unifying ideas in all three of them but they are also all very different, which made it very interesting to watch all three and hopefully, you know, to, to talk about them too, to analyze, to compare, contrast, all that good stuff. I was going to say, I think the interesting thing that I saw with these movies is the di the the difference in the tones were really kind of cool, you know? So when we do other months with different themes, those themes usually kind of overlap, like for the things we've doing, we're doing, right? So like last time, for example, was all horror films. So even different like stories is still all horror films. And with this one, it was really cool because you could, you, there was so much more to offer than just past the queer thing that kind of connected them that way, but made them all so different when watching them, which was enjoyable. So you got like this international film attached to it or, you know, an uh, African-American film attached to it. And those things are really kind of, there was a lot more layers to unpack that I really appreciated with this month. What we hadn't in, I guess we didn't really think about it beforehand, but what was a consistent theme throughout was that these were all movies about female relationships, which I thought were re was really interesting, actually, because 
um, yeah, like, I don't know. I think like queer cinema is such a broad category and it's just almost lucky that we had like these three, um, these three gay, these three gay movies about women. I, I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, that's also that's something I didn't even think about when when watching them, honestly, because I was really focused on the the how crazy it was to me that there were so many different elements in each one of them. You know, when you're thinking of the theme. So it was really nice breath of fresh air every time I turn on a different one to watch, which I enjoyed. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And and all three of them have, you know, even if they're about, you know, female leads with a, you know, like under the queer category, they still all have like very relatable themes that go just beyond like what they're actually like going through. Totally. Totally. Right now we're all talking about basically anyone who's listening to this, just you should definitely incorporate queer, queer film into the films you're watching every month, but we're not getting into any specifics of these I movies. Know, yeah, so right. I'd I know, like to just, move. We're just I'd like to, yeah, we're, just, we're just giving praise to where praise is due. Um, and I think we can move into a couple like more specific things, uh, maybe going like chronologically of when they were released. So starting with All About My Mother. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But um, I because it, it kind of also relates to what Emily said for me, and I don't want to I don't want to run it because it's not my month. But there's a really interesting element you said there, Emily, about incorporating love in a different perspective, right? And like this, like this queered eyed perspective of like showcasing love, and I think that shows that to me comes out way more in El Motivar films than most movies because the entire lens of the film is in that direction, where sometimes things are for me almost more difficult to understand just because it's not the way I would I traditionally looked at something before because I've never been offered that perspective you know and I saw that so much in his movie and it made me actually come away liking El Motivar a lot more than I did previously when I had to watch his other movie so it's a great film I really that was the last one I watched I watched this week and I really enjoyed it front to back it's a different type of story you know regarding you know the morning of a lost loved one and just like the general like path that it takes you is very very different i mean there's more to it than just that but i i just liked everything that it unpacked about manuela's you know past and how she just goes goes back to it to try and like um clear things up yeah i thought that this movie especially was so interesting because like it didn't follow traditional like structure at all um in the sense that like we get attached to this this boy care this um her 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 son and then he um manuela's son and then he dies in a car crash and like you're kind of like geez like okay i thought i thought this at first i thought he was narrating our story through his um you know through his his kind of journals and that this was going to be a continuous thing throughout their whole life. And then as soon as he died, I was like, okay, I don't even know who is at the helm anymore. And it, and, and as Manuela kind of went back to the city to meet up with, uh, to try and find, um, uh, her son's father, who, um, you know, what was his name again? Um, I think it was a Lola. Lola. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it was so interesting that like this story immediately, the first kind of 15 was so straightforward. And I was like, okay, like I don't see where like the queer component is. And then the last like hour 45 was like, 
oh man, like we are just going off the rails. And to kind of fake you out like that was really, I, I thought it was such an interesting um, like subversion of what you expect as an audience member. Um, and, and also just like the fact that this, the title, like all about my mother, um, it, it becomes this almost, this story that's at first told by the first son who, who dies and then is picked up by um, Rosa's uh, son later on. Do you know what I mean? Like I kind of got this, like there, it, there was like the two Estebans were telling this story retroactively, which is strange because one of them had died, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed the the structure as well. I'm honestly, I'm a sucker for movies that have like all these sort of meta layers to them. Of like, you're watching this play in the movie, and then the characters are playing the different roles, and that's commenting on how the movie of what roles they're playing in outside of the play, but inside the movie. You know what I mean? And the parallels that kept coming up of the sons who have the same name, and this person's son died, and then this person's having a child, and they're this they're connected by the same father but who's, who's also a mother who's also a mother like i just thought that was a really interesting way that it would that that like it the movie examined sort of community family paternity maternity and then just male and female roles through all these sort of really kind of convoluted connections but but i also never felt i never felt lost you know what i mean i, I think that was also just something where of the three like this film like filmmaking wise was just like the most like I felt like polished and precise and it so it made it very easy to follow and to understand the emotions and the connections between characters and follow the thread even though it was a little bit kind of loop-de-loop and also you know being in a foreign language a different culture like sometimes you know I've foreign movies are just a little bit harder to understand exactly the logic of what's happening beat to beat and I and I was, I didn't feel like that with this movie. So I was able to just like sit and watch it and like understand what was happening and be like, oh, cool, cool, cool. And it was so funny. Like, I mean, if you look at it, uh, if you just kind of take away everything and look at it, there was three mothers, well, four mothers. There was four mothers in this movie. There was Manuela, Lola, uh, Rosa, and Rosa's mother, whose name I'm not I think she was just Rosa's I think mother. It's- in IMDb, it's Madre de Rosa. Madre de, de Rosa, right. So there's four mothers, and then there's two sons, um, Esteban, the first one who died, and then Esteban, the second one. And then there was... Um, well, actually, also, there's the... Well, there's uh, the, the actress. Uh, I guess she's, she, and she's oh, also kind of another yeah, mother figure. Yeah, that's another figure. mother figure. So there's yeah, five... Yeah, Nina. 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 Uh, are you talking about Huma Rojo? Which one? Uh, like the actress yeah, that she befriends. Yeah, Rojo, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Who, plays, who plays Blanche in the uh, Tennessee Williams play. But then, uh, like, Nina was kind of a, a daughter to her in an interesting way. So there was, like, like there was all of this, um, you know, maternity going on. And, and the story is rooted in this idea of looking for the father of the deceased son. But then it's like, okay, but she is actually... A mother um, like she's a woman and additionally the son becomes almost this 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 masculine being this masculine child becomes a means to explore like seven female characters and and their kind of inner dynamics and how they kind of what Simon was saying fall into those 
patterns. And I just thought that that was like, truly, honestly, so well done. Like so, so complex too. Just even talking about it now, like it's even hard to explain. It's, it's, um, yeah, I thought it was incredible. No, it's definitely really, it's masterful filmmaking. There's, there's two, there's two points that you guys brought up that I want to kind of, uh, expand on a bit was one M you said that this movie didn't take on a traditional form of filmmaking. And that to me is really essential to how I viewed this movie because the idea of traditional in filmmaking and then this movie completely going off the rails on that and doing its own style, I think is really integral to, to what it's trying to do. I don't think it would come off as well. It's the idea is to challenge the norm of filmmaking, right? So that's, and it does it so well. There's a lot of meta things you can read into that, but I think that it, that does, it does it really well. But on the flip side to that, which goes into what you were saying, Sai, was that it's got so many layers and so many things going on. It's really busy that the first time I talked about it with Brian, I, uh, uh, compared it to um, a Picasso painting. It's just a different perspective on life. Like it, it's it's not the traditional form of what you'd see on your day to day, but it's so many different things going on and a different perspective on everyday things. And I think what I told Brian was the problem sometimes for me is that I'm not a massive Picasso fan because it's just too much going on. And that was something hard for me to take away. There's also a lot of framing in his in El Motivar's film that just reminds me of that it's like if you amped up a Wes An- like Wes Anderson style of like a lot of pastels and a lot of colors and a lot of busyness and to me I that sometimes can distract me from what's going on so that's that's interesting that you brought that up because I saw that too it's just it gave me a different emotion what really kind of sold this movie to me was a lot of the performances I kind of got brought drawn back into it based off the performances because at some points there was just so much so much story going on in so many different directions with so like you guys listed out so many different mothers and and uh different um uh kid figures that it, it just got really busy and also again probably in a different language is also quite difficult to keep track of it all but performances were just ridiculous i thought penelope cruz was just fantastic and then i don't know the actress's name but the uh character grotto mm-hmm. yeah yeah, Antonia San Juan is the act, actor or actress. Um, yeah, but Agrado. Not only just the comic relief, but this idea of just being able to really engage the audience in a level of, I only want to see more of her. I enjoyed her so much through all the other like bullshit going on that the, the, my favorite part was probably her her mm. monologue. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. oh my God, that Actually, was just I was amazing. Gonna, I was going to bring that up because I, I was looking into her while I was watching the movie and she is known like outside of this film for for her comedic monologues. So I really like, I, I saw that before that scene came up. So I was like, that was really cool that they, you know, something that she's known for was like featured in this movie. And it was a great monologue. <laughs> it was it so was good. It was a good monologue. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, this movie, I, I, what you're saying, Dylan, about the sort of like visual um, presentation and the, and the sort of like, it, it, it's a movie that's very much like, we're having fun and it's kind of like invite trying to invite you into that and be like come on like stop taking everything so seriously like let's like let's enjoy this brightness and this dazzlingness and i felt like it was almost trying to what we're talking about with all these layers trying to make it uh trying to make it as confusing as possible if you were trying to explain what was happening in a scene to a person who wasn't watching the movie try to sort of make it as convoluted as possible but 
it, it, it as a way of it, as a way of like as a way of sort of stopping you from trying to analyze everything and just enjoy these characters these interactions try to like define in a sentence or two like um uh penelope cruz's trajectory throughout the film is is so ridiculous so i mean honestly it's so interesting because it's so soapy like it was you know it's such a like it's such a daytime soap yeah exactly but back to your point dylan but back to your point i i was feeling the same way but the acting was just so, so good. good as opposed to like you think of that that plot line mixed with bad acting equals like going back to your point about Penelope Cruz's arc what a roller coaster for Rosa the character and then I mean in but she I felt like that character could have so easily like fallen into the side of like you can't even sympathize with her because it's so farcical and like it, it, it walks that line so well. Where I was like, "This is so heightened. This is so dramatic. It's so ridiculous." And yet, I the whole time I was so engaged and so like, "Oh my god!" Like, no, not Rosa, you know. And um, I just want to add a quick correction. I said Nina earlier was the child figure, but I actually meant Agrada. Agrado. She's the child figure. Well, no, to who, Nina. Manuela? Agrado is the, is the sort Agrado's of, the other prostitute that Manuela's friends with who knew yes. Lola. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I felt like she was Nina is the kind of companion of Humorosa, the actor right. Humorojo, the actress, the older actress. Oh, okay. Right. Then I then I did. <laughs> A correction to your correction. A correction to my correction. <laughs> but she um, still was looking after her as if even though they were a thing. As if that was her daughter, because she's so yes. concerned about her like, you know, drug habits and like yes. making all these bad choices. And acted more like she was trying to look out for her best interest as a mother rather than like a lover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, anyway, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this tone that we're all talking about is is I, I chose this movie or I was interested in this movie because I had never seen an Almodovar film before. Um, and and but I knew I knew a lot about him just because he's you know a very famous celebrated director. I mean, this movie won uh, the Academy Award for Best Foreign Film. Like, and I knew I, this film was I read was like kind of one of the best examples of like his style and his approach to things like this is a good picture of Almodovar and so I feel like this tone is something that's often this this tone is something that's associated and is supposedly consistent somewhat throughout his films the sort of dramatic uh presentation it's very heightened it's very sexual it's very funny it's presented in a light way but it's also very intense um and I also think that sort of like I think I think flamboyant would probably be an outdated word but like that tone and that presentation is also something that's uh, like applied in a generalized way to a lot of queer film or what the idea of queer film is and I, it's sometimes it's sometimes very apt like in this case I also think it, like but I'm a cheerleader kind of has some of that same presentational elements but it's definitely not the only style that you see these stories presented in so that's the thing I guess I'm really interested to talk about connecting all three of the films is this is this tone and style and how it relates to the meaning you take away from the story and the feelings you have while you're watching it, if there sort of are similar elements. In comparison to this, um, or, you know, as, as something that we can maybe jump and talk about a little bit that I really like is the fact that you guys chose queer films that are 20 plus years old, you know, like that's really says something to me because 
I don't want to go as far to say as it's extremely popular in our media nowadays, but it's a lot more in the forefront of pop culture and arts, right? So that means that more people want to do that, which is a good thing. But then sometimes that also means it's going to be done with less intent or less just enjoyment. And I think when you go back to watching a movie like this, it's done because El Motivar really wants to make it, not because the medium around them is telling them this is something that should be incorporated more. And I saw that more, in, but I'm a cheerleader as well. For being a movie from the 2000s, and it's so ahead of its time, satirically, like it's a dark comedy about gay conversion camp, which is such an insane idea that if you told any anybody now like that happened 20 years ago, I don't know if they would believe you, you know what I mean? It just doesn't seem like that would have even been in the realm of uh, film. 20 years ago. So I was, I really, really liked that you guys picked movies that were also like 20 plus years. It's really cool to see those films. That's what I really liked about, but I'm a cheerleader. Cause like the guy who, who wrote it, it's based on his experience at gay conversion camp. So like, oh, I love wow. the fact that hey, he took his experience and just like, I don't know what it is, but I, I can't, can't be as aggressive as what's in the film, but he definitely like, you know, it's very campy and over the top, but in such a good satirical way that you're like, you know, if you watch that in 1999 and you wanted to send your kid to a gay conversion camp and you watch the movie, you'd be like, all right, maybe this isn't the way to go. Maybe this, maybe I'm wrong here because like all the stuff they're trying to make them do is for them to be straight is like, you know, be in the army, like pretend they're in the army, play football. <laughs> Um, you know, doing each other's <laughs> hair and like wanting to go shopping and stuff. I was like, that's not, those are just actions. <laughs> They're not gonna, doing that's not going to be like, you know what? I really like playing football. I'm going to be straight now. That's the cool thing about that movie that I loved was that it's, it's really, so I don't, I think maybe and definitely possibly what people are going through at gay conversion camp is probably just as bad, but like the taking the blinder away and just looking at how absurd that type of thing is. And then doing that by like, having RuPaul tell a bunch of boys to play football. Yeah. Or like do army things or camp or fix a car. It's so, it's so funny. It just emphasized their, um, their homosexuality because everything they were doing, even though it's considered at that time, like a really straight thing to do, especially for like the guys, it was so sexualized. Yeah. Like, yeah changing yeah, the car exactly. and they're just seeing the dude's junk and they're just like so turned on by it. It's like, why is this, why is this so straight? Like, I mean, obviously, and the whole like all, everything, like all the, uh, all the decorations and everything are so like phallic and so, you know, sexual, like, you know. Yeah. I thought this movie, this was probably my favorite of the three. Um, not because I, I loved the other two as well, but this one, I felt like, like Simon and I were saying that if it wasn't funny, it would be so fucking sad. Like if it wasn't heightened, if it wasn't funny, a, like these kids at conversion camp, especially the scene at the end where they had to like simulate sex, that was like hideous. You know what I mean? Like that was hideous. And like that's so The woman so in the director's scarring. chair just in the corner. Yeah, like so Jesus scarring. Christ. And like, could you imagine like bringing joy to that from this heightened sense is so fucking funny. And I, I loved, um, and so profound because I, I thought that what you guys are talking about too is the link between um, heteronormativity and um, heterosexuality, which are different things, but not really. What was interesting to me that this director was saying was like, if you are, if you posit yourself within a straight relationship as the straight dynamic, you won't be happy. That's actually like, like, 
because like they're doing, uh, you know, these 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 gay kids are doing all this stuff to be straight. The boys are doing masculine activities. The girls are doing feminine activities. And and what does that actually mean about straight? Right. Like we see these things. And as a female watching this, I was like, man, that sucks. The girls do all this lame shit. And like, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm sure you guys felt the same way as boys watching this, like how limiting heteronormativity is not only just on on like in terms of like gay characters, but even straight characters. As a person in a straight relationship, I was like, wow, like the connection here between saying like traditional femininity and traditional masculinity is toxic in any dynamic. I think that that's really something that's very interesting. And that connection was so nuanced and I, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Well, they that's something that I thought about while watching it. Maybe not as so articulate as you just put it, M. but there was something I was thinking about was, you know, I've known gay gay guys who do love playing football or like working on cars. So I thought it was such a strange thing. Again, like adding to the comedic levels of me of trying to associate actions or what you're interested in as a person, having any sort of uh, weight on who you are and who you want to have sex with or who you want to love. It has nothing to do with one or the other, you know, and that to me was also, that was part of the comedy. It was really nuanced in a really nice way because you're right. It, it's, you should just be able to do whatever you want to do. And in this world that he kind of builds, that's really interesting or strange is that like, if you were a straight guy who didn't want to play sports, you probably would also end up at this conversion camp because they would be worried about your inability or disinterest in just normal guy shit. But like, that's not how that works at all. Yeah, it's all, yeah. I see exactly what you're saying. That was that character who was like, I'm straight. I just don't want to do any of this shit. And they're like, no, if you don't want to do this shit, then you're not straight. And he's like, no, I am. I just don't like this doesn't interest me. And I I think that that like societal pressure on your presentation of sexuality as attached to um, like personality is so like archaic, but also true to this day. You know what I mean? Like we, you know, like. Like women are edgy if they don't shave their legs, and like what you know what I mean? <laughs> like what? And, and I mean, obviously, that's that's kind of the 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 title and the main character. That's the position she's in at the beginning, where she doesn't she doesn't think she's gay. She doesn't think there's anything like different or off about her. She's just like, yeah, I like I'm a cheerleader, and I like being feminine, and I also like fantasize about girls. Like I also like girls. Like. And then everyone's like, whoa, that's crazy. No, that's not normal. And she's like, really? Wait, oh, okay. And it kind of throws her off. She's almost, she's just not a, she has, she's oblivious to all of the other people telling her like, that is not the norm. The best part about it is like her parents and her friends are literally the reason why she like accepted herself as a lesbian. Like if they didn't say anything and take her to this camp, she'd probably still be like in limbo. And like, you know, think everything's all like hunky dory. So like, even though they want her to be straight, it's essentially like in in their mind, it's like their fault that she became a full fledged, like accepting of being a lesbian. You know what I mean? Well, that comes back to this idea of labeling. Like, I think now like we are in an era where it's, it's good to be proud of who you are and it's good to, you know, take ownership of that and take ownership of the, the labels associated with you. But Jamie Babbitt is really saying in this film, like suspend labels, like think about yourself just as a human being and like 
what is what does that mean? What what does that present to you? And, and I think that that like I I think that's very interesting too because then within the romantic dynamic, like um uh what was the main character's name again? Um, Megan and Graham. Like Megan was such a stereotypical like good girl, and Graham was like the bad boy. You know what I mean? Like in, that's what we see in straight movies, and it and it really like it gave us that those same monikers of what like a, a straight audience would see going into this and just completely subverted it to to make a point about like labeling and, and stereotypes and I, I thought that was really cool too i think it's a deeper a deeper issue of just people having to constantly question themselves whether they're doing something because they want others to see them as that or if they're doing it because they genuinely enjoy it I don't want to get too sidetracked, but something that you and me were talking about a couple of days ago about just masculinity and femininity and like how the problem I have with those terms nowadays is I think about like the lessons and things I've learned from role models and they're not exclusive to one specific gender. You know, I've learned extremely more, you could say masculine traits from my mother and I've learned more deeply emotional traits or I guess feminine traits sometimes from my father. It doesn't really have anything to do with where it's coming from. That's like... I think also a very a deeper message, right? You know, like they, they those lessons can come from anybody. You just have to accept which parts of those are in you. You know, it doesn't really have anything to do with you being a guy or a girl or gay or straight. That's really yeah, that's a deeper point in this movie too, for sure. It's just ridiculous to me that RuPaul is the guy telling them cuz I love that they threw in these like facial expressions of RuPaul with the with the like headmaster's son also is just kills me every time because RuPaul's so famous in our day that it's a different thing to watch it 20 years later and see RuPaul and you're like wait RuPaul RuPaul's in this because I literally sent that to you guys I was blown away I was so blown I I like I didn't know that RuPaul was in it either and I was like wait that's RuPaul like that is RuPaul like (laughs) but it's so strange to see RuPaul in that light too because like for modern day audiences to this movie, RuPaul is like famous for his drag race show. So I see him, I see him as an, a staple idol in the LGBTQ community. But in this movie, he's got a goatee and he's got short shorts. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on, dude? This I is super it. weird. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it was great. I, and I it was just, really great. Yeah, I just thought it was all so funny and, and so interesting. Great um, satire, but also still like a fun. You know, it still has the elements of like a sort of fun teen movie romp. You know what I mean? Where it's like the teens, they're getting into trouble, they're falling in love. It gives you those sort of like light, enjoyable things while also just having a very consistent, smart satire the whole time. I mean, even like one thing that I, I thought was I thought was just a really interesting that I wanted to note was Emily mentioned she gets there. And uh, Clea Duvall's character is, yeah, this this sort of like the stereotypical bad boy, quote unquote. She's a, she's a she's a girl, but like you know, she smokes and everything. And you're like, oh, my mind immediately went, oh, obviously she's gonna be the one to teach uh, Natasha Lyonne that it's okay to be who she is because like she is com- she's more comfortable with herself than um, Megan is. You know what I mean? Well, they set but, you up for that. Yeah, they set you up for that, but it does. But then it actually flips it so. Uh, I, I what was her name? Graham? Graham. Graham is the one who, even though she's got this cool sort of like lesbian vibe to her, and she seems to be like, I don't care. She really actually is struggling more with her own identity and Natasha Leon, the traditionally quote unquote feminine 
like one is the one who has to convince her that it's okay to be who she is and love who she wants to love. Luis, give uh, give Luis a shout out, even though he's not here. The One of the notes that he brought up that I really liked is he said, it is such a quintessential 90s teen movie. Like it feels like, it, fe- like, it feels like American Pie, 10 Things I Hate About You. Like if you wanna go and watch like a week of great 90s teen films, like you put this in your list because it feels like that. But it's got, deeper social commentary to it which i think is more prevalent nowadays in films right like that they do that they add more layers and sometimes movies back then didn't but that's so cool that they they had that it's it just feels really ahead of its time yeah i i said that when we were watching it too i was like this work is really like it could be released today and would probably just become a cult classic like it is now like it would you know what i mean like it, i mean not even Maybe i would even be more I would popular hope, yeah i would hope that it would be more popular but yeah like this is like you know the kind of the kind of talk around this is that it's a cult gay classic but i watched this movie and i was like every single person like i mean this is true for all of the movies that we've watched like they are so good. Like, they, like we, we should just be watching these movies. They shouldn't be cult or like subgenre, you know? And like, you have to hope that uh, if it came out today, it would get more hype, which I actually think it would. Uh, it would. I it think would. it would. No, it would. Of course I think, it would. Yeah. It's, it's a much bigger thing nowadays. We want to talk a little bit about uh, Pariah, the last movie that's on the list, which I think, you know, obviously there's a ton of similarities with the movies we've uh, talked about so far in terms of like, you know, your presentation and your gender identity and expression and sexuality being all intertwined, but being not one in the same. And uh, obviously just like the ideas of sort of family and love and connection and, and the, com- the the complexity of all those things and the, the issues with all those things. But obviously this is a movie that presents more the sort of drama and struggle to be seen and to be heard and be yourself uh, against people who are trying to stop that, uh, that the other movies, well, you know, but, but I'm a cheerleader also is showing that, but it's showing it in a very different way. It's showing it in a satirical way, whereas this is showing it in a, in a much more uh, a grounded way. I think this one was more of a denying way. Mm. Like her father spends the whole time ignoring her mom, saying that like, look what your daughter's become. And he's like, that's not true. And like the mom is, even though she's concerned about it, she's also trying to deny it. Like she's trying to tell everybody things fine. And they're both just like, you know, everyone around her in her close circle, I'd say besides her sister, just because her sister doesn't give any opinions and still cares for her. Um, they're trying to reject the fact that their daughter is a lesbian and it's, or it's like being a tomboy. This one was the heaviest subject matter. It took the it took the queer subject matter and it, it was all about that in the heaviest way. You know, whereas like if just again, recapping on the other two, all about my mother is it's it's actually the side story of what's going on. There's so many other things. It's an accepted reality and we don't question it. And then but I'm a cheerleader talks about it in a very satirical way. So we remember to laugh but upon hindsight we can think about all the themes that they brought up this one as masterful as it was was the hardest one for me to watch it's not that i didn't like it but it's so difficult to watch because it's really just kicks you really hard like 
it's a difficult movie to get through. It's interesting because I think that in both But I'm a Cheerleader and Pariah, there's this idea of like the queer identity as journey. And so we see our, you know, we see Alike in um, Pariah kind of evolve from like trying to be like her friend Laura, who's a little more butch um, and like interested in the club scene to trying to be more like her first kind of girlfriend, um, Bina, and like, yeah, like, and, and we see her trying to kind of like form herself based off of these um, like queer people that she sees around her, but not really being able to fix on one. And that like that limbo that Megan was having at the beginning and, and how like her identity was, was within her all along. And I think that was that last shot of her like getting on the plane or, um, you know, getting ready to leave for college. like like her identity though not formed was within herself all along and trying to force fit it into another category that's like you know like this is how how you should be to get laid as a gay woman or like this is how you should be to like be a kind of like like a bi girl who's not really sure that she wants to talk about it um those kind of you know those monikers of the gay journey is is um, the gay journey as identity is really interesting. Um, and definitely the, you're right, definitely the heaviest subject matter. But I thought that this idea of denial that Brian was talking about was um, well done as well. Like everyone was trying to keep up appearances, even though even those gay appearances for Alike didn't look like the ones that she felt were true to herself. Right. And I think the strength, I think the strength of this movie was that it, it, sh- it mirrored that in, in the other characters in different ways. Like, I was happy that it wasn't, the movie wasn't one dimensional. I felt like in the way that it was just about her wanting to express her sexuality, her parents not accepting that and that conflict that's kind of just like going back and forth. There was also, like you were saying, all these other characters who are struggling with their identity and being seen in even including her parents. You know what I mean? You get to see, I, I, I was, I thought the movie used its sort of minor characters or its secondary characters well to like, echo these same ideas and give sympathy to all the people in the story that you wouldn't always expect to see if the story is about a gay main character who is being like mistreated and denied and like trying to force being being forced to be something she's not by her family you wouldn't always see that presented in a way where you see scenes with the mother by herself struggling with her own identity and same with the father and then the gay friend who is who's already out and very confident in uh, her identity but she's still struggling and yeah the the girlfriend like I, I really liked that it was a I guess all these movies I think the, the the fact that it was a ensemble cast to some degree it wasn't just one person's journey there was one character at the center of it but it was really taking the time to look at all these other characters and, and their identities and how those are all different like I think that was I think that was a strength of this movie too. I, I did feel like the the ending got to that point of just being like so dramatic and so intense, and that the conflict kind of comes to a head um, in a way that is I I think very probably true to life for for so many people who have had this sort of experience and this sort of upbringing. But I was almost looking forward to not seeing that in in this movie not seeing the sort of conflict addressed directly where there's a scene you know with the parents and the children like 
you're gay and I hate you. And like, yeah, I just want to be who I am. You know, that, that, that was emotionally not scarring, but not scarring, but it hurt. Right. But it didn't do, I think what the goal of it was to do. But then later in the movie, what really even just made me out loud say, Oh my God, was when she says, I love you, mom. And the mom says, I'm praying for you. It's just so well acted in such a tiny moment like that. It does it so much more weight with a scene like that than the traditional scene you see where it comes to a head. And they probably would have done better if sticking into that type of realm, right? I personally think, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. uh, Thematically, I thought, you know, in terms of intersectionality, we not only have like a, 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 a lesbian coming of age story, but we also have like a black girl coming of age story. And I think that that, it, it adds a layer to this as well um, because like obviously the black gay experience is different from the white gay experience which is the other two characters in our in the other two in the other two films we watch and I think that that like mostly played out in this family dynamic like we saw that you know the mom was so conscientious of appearances and like the dad is like a cop and he doesn't want to be a cop like he you know he obviously hates his life very much and like just that you know trying to be trying to trying to like have this upward mobility as a family and obviously they were very well off but like at what cost is really the question like at what cost do they do they kind of fit into like hegemonic white racist society um like as this you know like perfect seeming family like i kind of got the sense from this movie that the family was trying to be just perfect just ideal but whose ideal is really that follow-up question and it's like straight white ideal mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um like only one I would, time i would go i would go the catholic route because of how religious yeah. the mom is and yeah. how she wanted alike to befriend you know bina because a good friend of hers at work slash someone who frequents church all every sunday and trying to like force that sort of little did she conversion. know Little did you know, the old oh, sleepover. <laughs> the old that's, sleepover. That's honestly the moment where I, the scene in the morning after um, was the f- only time I really saw a direct parallel with uh, But I'm a Cheerleader. And maybe it's the only one I saw like as a poll, but I'm sure you probably all saw it too. It was like the re- role reversal of the person that's kind of edging you in the direction of your uh, homosexuality. Then is the person later who comes out saying, Oh, but I'm not really like that type of gay, you know, and the same kind of like with Graham and like Megan were like not exactly the same way, but then it's reversed where Graham is the one who wants to continue with the conversion therapy and Megan's the one who's saying, no, be who you are. And I was like, I saw those types of parallels, you know, the people that kind of pulled them into accepting who they are, are the ones that they eventually have to then either convince or the ones that like let them go, you know? Like untethered now. No character is presented as just like having everything figured out. You know what I mean? Which is which is nice. Yeah, feels very true to life. It's really nice that and the the thing that I like the most about Pride. It's the one I like the least, but it's not because I don't think it's well done. It's just so difficult to watch. It's probably not something I would go back and watch again for, you know, my own personal enjoyment. Much to like other very heavy films like, I don't know. I can't think of any, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it's a straight. Um, it's a straight drama. It's the only yeah, one. Yeah, it's, it's a straight, straight drama. drama. It's heavy subject matter, but I think it's so nice that they, all the characters were had multiple multiple layers, like you were saying, Simon. It's basically taking all the crazy stereotypes of characters in, but I'm a cheerleader, and giving them multiple dimensions. 
So it's not just like religious parents, but it's like a mother who's unhappy, who's religious and trying to live up to that Catholic ideal, right? And like a father who's, who, like Emily said, like hates his life. There's there's more to unpack there than just the story of Alike. You know, there's other things that are going on and it makes it really, really dynamic, which is nice. Yeah, I feel like if you're comparing the the, the approach of But I'm a Cheerleader and, and this movie, But I'm a Cheerleader was more interested in the satire and more interested in like, making a point through its characters and pariah is more interested in like let's actually look at these characters and feel what these characters are feeling and understand these characters you know what i mean and draw what you kind of draw what you want from that it still obviously has a very clear message but it's not it's not sort of like it, it, it you know you're yeah you're 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 with the characters more so like usually we talk about then which ones we like the best and the least but sometimes i think that's not actually relevant to good films if they're all good so I'd rather than ask everyone, what's if you can only choose one to recommend to a bunch of people, which one would be the one that you'd recommend? Mm, that's a tough question. And I think that's harder. That's harder. I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna lead us off here. I'm gonna say I am going to choose, um, but I'm a cheerleader. I I feel like that movie to me um, was in a style that I really love. Like if I wanted someone to know, yeah, that's like more, David Lynch style. Yeah, type, like very over, surreal. Yeah, like if, shit, if yeah. I, this heightened but also pastel. Like if someone asked me what movie I would recommend, I would say, "But I'm a cheerleader," so that they would know more about me. Absolutely, one hundred percent. It's yeah. But I also think too, like it was, and you know, no surprise there. It was my my favorite of the three. I loved all the three, but I I really felt like this movie just like was so masterfully done and I I just thought there were so many layers to it and I'm not as articulate like on those layers as I want and I hope I didn't offend anyone in this podcast um but I, I don't think so you've been praising all of them yeah. so I think you're okay that's very um, offensive find some way to get them with and it's on it's on them. my nuance <laughs> isn't the sharpest towards the mastery of this movie but I did think it it really hit it just it got so many things that I think about like today and I think that that is such a telling telling story so yeah love it sorry Brian well I'll go I would also recommend but I'm a cheerleader but Pariah was my favorite Mm. I thought that that movie just as a whole was like a very relatable thing. Like I mentioned earlier, like all these movies had really relatable aspects, you know, aside from their, um, you know, queer themes. Like uh, like this one, I just felt like what Alike was going through, you know, besides the fact of, you know, trying to be a lesbian, she's also trying to find herself, like who she is, what she likes, you know, she goes from, as we see, the soundtrack's very hip hoppy in the beginning, but once she meets Bina, it's rock because she's like associating herself with these different types of music, therefore a different personality. And, you know, I went through that myself, like growing up with like the different types of music I liked and- Yeah, really um, good use know, of music in that movie. Yeah, and you know, forming, you know, myself and my ideas of myself based on, you know, that sort of scene, what a lot of people do. Uh, so I just thought like her overall struggle of like identity is very relatable in the teenage, aspect of like you're going through life and you're trying to figure out a lot more than just your sexuality you're trying to figure out everything else about yourself and who you meet can influence that and you got to figure out for yourself do you actually like what they like or do you like what they like because you like them 
And at the end, she finally says, I'm choosing. Like, that's very important. She's like, I'm choosing. This is me. I'm making the decision. Like, and you don't really see that the rest of the movie. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think, I think I've, for rec- as far as recommendations go, I would also say, but I'm a cheerleader. I think maybe, I think maybe we're gravitating toward that one as the one to recommend because it's like, it's something that is both both very smart and subversive, but also you feel like something that everyone can kind of enjoy. It's easy would be easy to just put on for a group of people and be like, let's watch this movie and like everyone's gonna like have fun, you know what I mean? Um, while still understanding what it's doing. I, I yeah, I really liked All About My Mother personally. Maybe I guess if I had to say a favorite, that's different, but just because I, I like yeah, I just I liked all those layers. So that zany. Were going on. It was, this was, yeah. So <laughs> Dylan, how about you? Pariah, I gotta, I gotta give you some props, man. You made some really good points on Pariah. Like you, you really paid attention, gave me some reasons why I'd probably want to go back and rewatch it because mm. it wasn't, it wouldn't be one of the top <laughs> choices of a rewatch. But you, you did some serious digging there, man. You did, you did a good job. But I think I would probably go with all about my mother, which is astounding. Seeing that I was talking Coming about into I this, don't you like, didn't like Almodovar. Wow, he was converted, we could say. <laughs> and even when, even after I watched it, you know, I talked to Brian about it and it still didn't sell me, but I just kept thinking about it and kept thinking about it. And I think what I really enjoyed about it was that like blatant disregard of the traditional filming aspect being such a meta level of what that film is about, you know, in the sense of like, that's what El Motivar does. He wants to give you the queer perspective. And what does that mean? It's not, it's, it's a different angle. It's a different viewpoint. And he does that so well that it's almost just ingrained in his film style. So if you're looking for that in your films, I think you can't find any better version of that than what he's doing. And I think the performances just knocked me out of the park. Like I really loved every person in that movie which was great um yeah man i'm so happy that one one oscar for best uh, foreign film that made me just feel good as a filmmaker that like people can recognize good film past just like the normative views of what film needs to be yeah, like that yeah. was yeah especially i think with, with queer film right the the sort of the 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 idea is like oh this this film like but i'm a cheerleader was not something i'd ever heard of emily emily knew about it but like there's there's so many of those type of films that are not really, uh, uh, you know, widely circulated, appreciated and in their immediate release and, and take that time to become sort of like well-known and culturally relevant. I don't know, like you think Rocky Horror Picture Show as well, that just popped in my head. But but the fact that there was one that this Almodovar film was, ever, it came out and everyone was like, oh yeah, this is fucking good. Like that's, 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 you makes you happy, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it was a really good month and I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed all of them. Really, really great that I'm, I'm happy you guys picked them. Um, so what's next month's theme there, Hotshot? Oh. Yes. Ooh, it's me now. Yeah, it would have been Luis, but I think also why he's kind of avoiding us is because he couldn't figure out what he wanted his theme to be. So he's just <laughs> running away. <laughs> um, I want to go with this theme that I've been thinking about for the last couple of months, guys, which is films that fell through the cracks. So movies that we all meant that we really wanted to see, they were like on our watch list, but we just like for some reason one or another they kind of just fell through there and i think what would be kind of fun is i have a list and if you have seen them then don't watch them but see if there's two of them in there and if they're if you've seen all of them then just pick two and then next month we can talk about those ones how long is the list the list is one two three four five six seven eight so there's eight choices you only need to watch two but are we going to watch the same ones or different ones no, so it, hopefully what will happen is that we will have all seen them in some capacity or another, but 
let's just it's it's a it's like a little bit of weird of a game um what my hope is the movies that you and emily haven't seen Sai, are ones that me and brian have seen the ones that me and brian haven't seen hopefully are ones that you have seen so effectively if you watch two and we watch two we've seen all four if that makes sense. What's on the list, Dill? All right, all right. Well, yeah, yeah, all right. yeah. So, like, as an example, I know this one for me and Brian that we haven't seen it yet. Call Me By Your Name. I have not seen that. I'm sure that both of you have, have seen that. I have not seen I've been so, needing to. Exactly. So, fell through the cracks. I want me and Brian to watch this one. 12 Years a Slave, I also have not seen. Yeah. So, that's another option. First Man. Who's seen First Man? I have not seen First Man. I have not. Okay. I heard it sucked. It didn't suck. I watched it a couple days ago. I kind of liked it. I also uh, heard it sucked. God, guys, you hate, I'm hating my theme more and more now. <laughs> no, 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 this is good. It's Sorry. Go ahead. Lost City of Z. I've been meaning, oh, to, been meaning to watch that one. Yeah, Doctor Sleep. Oh, we saw I that I haven't one. seen any of these. You got a lot no, of Brian, fucking movies totally to screwed. watch, Brian. <laughs> oh, God. That's why Inherent, I said we have to workshop Inherent this. Vice. Inherent Vice from Paul Thomas Anderson. I've been meaning to see nope. that one. Saw it. Uh, Manchester by the Sea. Seen saw it. it. Brian has. <laughs> 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 we just so picked screwed. this list to torture Brian. It seems Jesus. like. Uh, and Honey Boy. That I've seen. Finally, Jesus. <laughs> okay, so you, all right. So then, for this month, for me, I'm going to watch Honey Boy and Call Me by Your Name because I haven't seen either of those, and you guys have all seen Honey Boy. Okay. Okay. So I think I can speak for Simon. We're going to watch uh, Lost City of Z. City of Z, and um, can you read through them again, one real quick? <laughs> We also do we have to we don't have to decide right now which two we're gonna no, watch. No, I can also send them to you guys. Oh yeah, I can send them to you guys, right? Okay. And we could just like come up with that idea, and then hopefully by next month there'll be four films that we've all seen. If you want to recommend one, also just put it in the chat. But the theme, which Brian, when you edit this, cut through all this crap, is movies that we all meant to watch that we never got to. And it seems That's like the within theme. the past, like movies that came out within the past like five years, like bigger, five, yeah, five, yeah, movies. bigger movies that we were on our list that came out in the last five years that just we never got around mm-hmm. to. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna decide mine based on what everyone else says, so we actually can talk about some centralized topics here. And we're not talking about <laughs> so like. Eight I'm gonna movies. do Lost City of Z and Call Me by Your Name. All right. Those are the two I'm the most interested in anyway. Cool. I will send it to you guys now. All right, guys. Well, I guess that's it. It was a great podcast. Great month. Once again, lots of fun, y'all. Yay. This was a really good month. It was a really great choices, guys. Yeah. Really well done. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Please like, share, subscribe, rate the podcast if you enjoy it, watch our other episodes, and we'll see all of you in a month. Mm